Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 18 and 19, Jesus said, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth, uh, whatever uh, you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus conversing with his disciples was uh, inquiring what the pollsters were saying about him. And then Peter had a revelation and he answered Jesus' question by saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus commended Peter and he said, you know, you didn't learn this in school and this wasn't revealed to you by rote or by memory and you just didn't pick this up in your catechism. This was something that was revealed to you by my Father, which is in heaven. And then he made that statement. Upon this truth, that Christ is the Son of the living God, I will establish or I will build my church. And then he made a promise. And the gates or the institutions of hell or Hades will not prevail against it. So I want to bring out a few points in this text for a point of revelation and understanding and also remembrance. Jesus is the head of the church. And when he said he's going to build his church, it means he's putting or he's setting his people in his body so his purposes can be accomplished. Now, one of the ways that we understand everything in its proper place and its proper setting is there's a Greek word, and uh, in the English, in the Greek word is uh, translated as far as appointment or setting or placement, it's translated in the English, Tiffany. And uh, Tiffany means to set a table or to set a banquet or to prepare a table or to make room for a banquet. And so if you and I were going to attend a formal banquet, then everything has its place and its setting. All the silverware, everyone has their own assigned seat, and, and the decor is absolutely magnificent. They're, they're setting the table for something that is going to be experienced. And this is what Jesus said. He said, I will build, I will place, I will appoint, I will set people in the church so that my purposes are accomplished, so that everything will be done decently and in order. So Jesus is the head of the church, and that's important for us to realize that and the church is not ours. The church is his. The church is his. And as we are put in place, we are called the body of Christ. So God's placement for our life is for God's purposes for our life. So every member in the body is significant so that the whole body can be joined together and grow up into the head, which is Christ. We also learn that it is his church. What makes the church his church? Because we're not talking about an institution or organization. The church is the word ecclesia. It means the called out ones. It means those that are assembled or those that congregate under the banner of the Lord. And so it's his people. Well, what makes us his people? What makes us his people is we have chosen him to be our God. And we have called upon him and we have acknowledged his lordship. And now he has taken his rightful place in our heart and he wants to rule and reign in us by his Holy Spirit. But we also know that we're his because he purchased us with his own blood. He purchased us. He redeemed us. He bought us back to himself. 
So if you redeem something, it means that you purchase or you restore it. And that's what Jesus is doing. He purchased us and he is restoring us. And then the third truth that I see from this text is that his church, Jesus' church, will face persecution, attacks, or onslaughts from the gates of hell, but the gates of hell will not triumph. So it's it's not, we should prepare ourselves to be resisted at time, to face opposition. And that's not unusual, and we shouldn't think that it's unusual. Fiery tri- trials come against those who have called upon the name of the Lord. So Jesus is building his church. It's a process. Jesus set us in the body for his purposes, and every member has something to supply. It's his church because he purchased it. We are his people. We who were once not a people are now the people of God. And that is something that we always need to remember is that we were bought at a price, the precious blood of Christ. We couldn't earn God's forgiveness or merit his salvation, but by grace through faith we are saved. This not of ourselves, lest we could boast, this is the gift of God's grace through Jesus Christ. So we who once were lost are now found, once we're blind, now we see because of Jesus. Jesus is alive and Jesus is building. Jesus is placing people in his church and Jesus promised that the gates of hell or the institutions that hell works through would not prevail against the church. So when we think about the institutions that hell is trying to work through, because gates in this particular passage is not talking about a gate as in you're guarding your property or a gate as in an entrance to a property. It's talking about the powers When the word gates is used in scripture, many times it's used as a gathering place where those that were in authority would make decisions for a community. And so God established three institutions or ordained three institutions that he gave unto humanity. And those institutions were the family, were civil government, and were the church. And this is what the enemy's been doing for thousands of years. He's been trying to hijack the family, government, and the church. And he's trying to use them against the purpose for which they were created. This is what Jesus is referring to when he talks about the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Because the church is an established pillar of truth, just like The family is an established pillar of truth, just like government is supposed to be an established pillar of truth. But we can see where all have been altered and changed because of sin. But regardless of what sin did to the family, to government, and to the church, Christ's resurrection has triumphed. And Jesus said they're not going to triumph. And we know that because in verse 19, he said to those that would be a part of the church, whatever you allow on earth will be allowed by heaven. Whatever you don't allow won't be allowed. What Jesus is communicating to us there is you have authority. If Christ is the Lord of your life, through his lordship, you rule and reign as kings and priests in life. Whatever you permit in your life, God has to permit. Whatever you don't permit, God won't permit. 
I want to say that again. Many times in life, we live beneath our rights and privileges primarily because maybe we don't know about them. Maybe we think that this is just the way life is, that we're supposed to be run down and run over all the time. But Jesus is high and lifted up. Jesus is resurrected. Jesus has all glory, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto him. And he has given that unto us. Now, we need to learn how to exercise that authority, walk in that authority, and use that authority for the purposes and the glory of God. But when you're being attacked, when your family's being attacked, when our government's being attacked, when the church is being attacked, then we can't permit it because if we don't permit it, God will set up a standard and he'll begin to preserve those institutions that he ordained. Can I get a hearty amen? So we need to be praying. We need to be exercising our authority. We need to be invoking the name of Jesus. You and I need to be invoking the name of Jesus towards your family, towards government, and towards the church. We need to be pleading on behalf of Christ for each of those institutions. And we need to be exercising our faith that God is at work both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Can I get a hearty amen? Amen. amen. So <clears throat> we need to be Christ-centered. The church needs to be Christ-centered. Too many churches today are man-centered. They're too humanistic in their message. It's all about us and our needs instead of him and his resurrection. We need to get back to the place that Jesus truly is the center or at the core of who we are as Christians. I want to remind you also that, you know, Christianity is not a spectator. It's not for spectators. It's for participators. Our Christian life is an active life. It's an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in us. When I stated earlier that the church is not an organization or an institution, I, I mean that. The church is a living organism. It's alive. Jesus is known as the chief cornerstone. And the church, you and I, the individual members, are known as living stones that God has placed. And it's for this purposes, that we would show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. God has called us to live a separate life. God has called us away from the things that are deceptive and dark, and he's called us into his marvelous light. And he beseeches us, walk in the light, and so that you can have fellowship. Walking in the light is the work that we need to keep applying our faith to, walking in the light. I know all of us have areas in our life that we'd like to get stronger in, we'd like our faith to be more vibrant. And let me share with you a, a real truth and principle. You and I cannot overcome evil without doing good. The way that we overcome obstacles, weaknesses of the flesh, insecurities, addictions, hiccups and hangups, hypocrisy, pride. Do you get the picture the works of the flesh or the deception of the enemy is by Growing in grace in the knowledge of the Lord. When you grow in grace in the knowledge of the Lord, you push out that which is evil. When you sow good seed into your heart, you will choke out the bad seed. So many people are trying to give up stuff. And I, I want to appeal to you, if you grow in your faith in Christ, you will push out that which is detrimental to your faith in Christ. Grow in grace. The Thessalonians were known as a church that grew exceedingly. 
That means they gave themselves over to the word of God and to the things of God, to the place that they reflected the glory of God. And we can't overcome evil by just denying that it exists. We overcome evil and you can't overcome evil just by trying to put it on the shelf. I'm about to close on this point, but it's so important. So many people feel like if I could just give up this, if I could just give up that, then God would be more pleased with me. Then I would have a stronger faith, a, a, a brighter testimony. But let me tell you that if you could do it apart from Christ, you would have done it a long time ago. That's why we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. These are important things for the church to be focused and to be centered on. We're strengthened with all might and power in our inner man. And when you're strengthened with all might and power in your inner man, then your outer man or your flesh or your carnal desires will not rule and reign. Christ will. Amen. It's so much so valuable for us to know. Smith Wigglesworth, who was used by the Lord in many marvelous ways, was asked what the key to his victory was. He says, I have learned that I'm 10,000 times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So many of us are focused on our outward imperfections, our outward hang-ups, our outward addictions, the things that try to cling to us. Let me tell you, your identification, your value and your worth is in Christ. And he thinks enough of you that he died for you and rose again. And he is preparing a place for you in glory. Our worth and our value is not in our own might or power. It's relying on his might and power. We need to get back to a Christ-centered life. Everything filters through Christ. Everything fits within the framework of his will that's pleasing to him. And he'll help you with your day in and day out responsibilities, the rhythm of your life, what you do and how you do it and who you do it with. You don't, you don't have to, you know, grapple over that. Your steps are ordered by the Lord when you ask him to lead you. Everybody say, Lord, lead me. Lord, lead. Say it again. Lord, lead me. Lord, lead. Well, where's he going to lead you? Listen to this. He's going to lead you on paths of righteousness by still waters, this is a pretty good scene. It doesn't mean you're not going to have drama occasionally, but you know where to draw your water from. In the quietness, in the stillness of being with Jesus, you draw from those waters so that you can deal with the storms of life. But he's not leading you into the storms. He's leading you to a place where there's green pastures and still waters so you can be nourished and built up and strengthened so you can face the storms. The church, the church is not man's idea. The church is God's idea. We talk about vision. We talk about sight or insight or understanding. We have no sight or insight or understanding apart from Jesus. We're blinded. But Jesus gives us insight and vision. And it's all about him. In scripture, people saw the Lord. They said he's magnificent. He's beautiful. He's high and lifted up. When you behold Jesus, you become like Jesus. And that's why I'm saying and reminding you, admonishing you and trying to stir up your faith that each and every one of us have areas where we can apply our faith and we can overcome and live victorious. But remember, our faith is in Christ. Our faith is in the Lord and what he has done. Brother Hagen, one of his practices before he ministered 
uh, was to set a couple hours aside and he would meditate and go over his notes and pray. And then he would be, you know, uh, what he felt prepared to go and minister. But on one occasion, he was really in a hurry. His day was full. His schedule got stacked on to and in the course of the day, all he had time to do was to transition to his home, to get freshened up, to put a new shirt and a new tie on, and then to head over after the, and, and really just make it to the service in time to step into the pulpit and deliver the message. And while he's getting refreshed and cleaned up, he's rehearsing to the Lord, Lord, I just don't feel like I'm prepared. Lord, I just don't feel like, you know, I've had adequate time to really deliver the message the way you want me to, to your people. And I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, at a place where, you know, my day got away from me and forgive me. And, you know, but he was doing good things through the course of his day. His steps were ordered by the Lord. There were needs that came into the church. He was attending to those needs. And he had already spent time in prayer and preparation, but he got out of his routine. And so when he got still enough after you know, he got his shirt and tie on. He was looking in the mirror to make sure he didn't have any broccoli in his teeth, make sure his zipper was zipped up and all of the things that you have to do when you stand before people. And the Lord told, ask him this question. Who were you planning on saving tonight? Who were you planning on healing tonight? Who were you planning on delivering tonight? And Brother Hagin said, no one, Lord. And he said, that's right. He said, you prepared and you prayed. Now go in faith and let me do my part. I'll save, I'll heal, I'll deliver. You deliver the word. And Brother Hagin had an epiphany at that moment. I've been putting my faith in the amount of time that I studied. He'd been putting his faith in the amount of time that he prayed. And Jesus never said, put your faith in the amount of time that you studied. Put your faith in the amount of time that you pray. He said, have faith in God. Yes, pray. Yes, study. But have faith in God. And so many Christians today are struggling because they don't feel like they're good enough. I haven't done enough. I haven't prayed enough. I haven't read enough. I haven't studied enough. I haven't witnessed enough. And listen to me. Transition all of that with one thought. God, I put my faith in you. I'm trusting you. You're big enough. And then keep growing. Don't let the devil beat yourself up and don't you beat yourself up. Amen? And all that was extra. Everybody say extra. If you go down south and you want sweet tea, you want extra sweet tea. Extra sweet tea. All right. So his church was going to face resistance. But don't let that worry you. Be strong in the Lord. Stay built up. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Everybody still with me? Amen. First Corinthians chapter 12. Boy, it sure does come out different, Lord, than what I talked about with you earlier. I'm going to read a long portion of Scripture. It's going to be on the verses for you online. It's going to be on your screen. Verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So we're talking about the church and vision. For by one spirit, we were all baptized in the one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit, whether Baptist or Presbyterian or Episcopalian or charismatic. It's if people have called upon the name of the Lord, there's one father, one son and one spirit. Everybody say amen. amen. 
For in fact, the body is not, is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, verse 15, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were the hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as it pleased him. That's the word Tiffany. God set, placed you exactly where you need to be. And if all were one member, where would the body be? It'd be a freak. Verse 20. But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, on our unpleasant, uh, unpresentable parts have, uh, have greater modesty. But our presentable parts... Have no need, but God composes the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it. That there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. One member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now we are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, then prophets, third teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps administration, variety of tongues. Are all apostles, are all, all, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you more excellent way. And he goes on and talks about love. And this portion of scripture, it reminds me of a story about four people called everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. And so there was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody would, wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have. And there we are today. So where have we come from? We have come from a place where Jesus established the church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Where are we today? We're at a place in time where the body needs to be acting like the body. Where we need to be serving one another. Where we don't need to be comparing one with another. We don't need to covet somebody else's gifts. You desire the best gifts that work for you where you fit in the body of Christ. And anybody and everybody is supposed to be a part, but somehow individuals aren't participating. And what happens? The whole body suffers. There are those that actually go around, so I've been told that they don't have much better things to do with their day, than just to troll on social media and see what's going on in everybody else's world and forget they're supposed to be taking care of their own stuff. Can I get a oh my? Oh my. And then they come to these you know, general conclusions, or we might say they surmise or come to a uh, hypothesis. A hypothesis, you know, is just a calculated guess based on the information you have, which means you always don't have all the information you need. So a hypothesis could make you hypocritical. I'm just saying possibilities are there. But because, you know, they feel like it's their their part to govern or to be the Holy Spirit for the whole body of Christ, they forgot that they're somebody that's supposed to be doing something 
for everybody. Can I get a hearty amen? We need to be careful. We need to be careful. We need to be cautious. We need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Can I get another amen? Amen. So the body of Christ is a beautiful collage of people. It's diverse, and yet it has unity among this diversity. Why? Because of Jesus. He is the one that unifies the body. He's the one that sews us and knits us together. So we can't say to one another, you know, away with you. Away with you, matey. We can't say those kind of things. That's not the right spirit. Because if people have called upon the name of the Lord, they're his. They're his. And he's working in them just like he's working in us. So where are we? We're at a place where, you know, we're imploring and we're beseeching the body of Christ to be active, to be engaged. And so where are we going? Where are we going? Well, we're going hopefully from faith to faith and glory to glory. You know, that sounds like a real spiritual thing to say. Yes, amen. Thank you, Brother Doug. Yes, we wholeheartedly agree with that. But that has to happen intentionally. I I, I would love to say that you can live by yesterday's manna, but yesterday's manna, if you're not careful, is stale and old and full of mold. You need this day, this daily bread. So if you're going to go from faith to faith and glory to glory, you're going to have to have an abiding relationship with the head of the church as a member of his body. You're going to have to be able to hear from the head. You're going to have to be able to discern what his will is. And so I, I, I encourage people, read your Bible every day. I mean, you're eating three square meals a day. If you didn't do that, you'd grow weak and you'd be susceptible to all types of problems physically in your life. Well, we need day by day our daily bread. So let's get into the word of God. That's always going to be something that this church promotes and elevates. Scripture says heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. Never, never. He has exalted. He has exalted his word at the same place as his name is. He and his word are one. So if you're going to get to know the Lord, you've got to get to know him by his word. And the spirit is the teacher. So always, always, always invite the spirit to teach you. Lord, I'm opening your word and give me today what I need that will strengthen me and sustain my soul, that will help me to be strong in you and the power of your might. And as you do so, you'll grow. You will grow and apply that truth. That's so important. But where are we going? First of all, let me give you the season that Charlene and I are in. So I was thinking the other day, you know, time just moves by. The sand in the hourglass is no respecter of persons. And so it's moving in my life like it is in yours. And I got to thinking the other day, you know, how long I've been doing what I've been doing. And as with anything, you know, if we're not careful, we all have to be aware that we can become so familiar with what we do that we really don't do it with intention or purpose anymore. We can just go through the motions and So I really am real cautious and real careful about that aspect of my ministry. And I can say, honestly, that in 36 years of ministry, I can't think of one time I've ever gone to the pulpit with the idea of targeting anyone. That's something I'm really, 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 I mean, I, I, I put myself under a microscope in that area. And uh, secondly, I always start off with a fresh piece of paper every time I come to the platform. So I, I've got right now scripted over 2,500 sermons, 2,500. I have them all. 
Some are in longhand and some are typed out. I could go pull number 43 out. It's the word of God. It'd be good. But in 36 years, I've never done that. I've never, I, now, I'm not saying I haven't preached the same message, but I may take a different text. When I say message, I'm talking about subject matter. I may teach on faith, but I'll come at it from a different perspective. Are you with me? I'll, I'll use many of the same illustrations because my illustrations basically are tied around the word of God in my life and, you know, some other uh, illustrations that I think are apropos. But where I am right now and where Charlene is, is that we are committed to equipping you for the work that God has put in your heart. That's where I am right now. To care for the congregation, to feed and nurture the flock of God. But I feel like one of my primary responsibilities is just to make myself available to you as a congregation. And this is what we want to do. If there's something on your heart and you're having a hard time seeing what's in your heart, Come to the surface. We want to help you see what God put in your heart become a reality to you. And I feel like after 36 years, potentially, we have something to offer along those lines. And if you're struggling or or if there's something that you're really needing support with, that's why we're here. We want to support what God put in your heart because you're an important part of the body of Christ. And here's an adage that we all need to remember. When the water in the bay rises, all the boats rise with it. When you do good, we all do good. When we elevate other people, everyone around those people are elevated. So that is, in a nutshell, what we're committed to do. We're committed to pastoring, to caring for the flock of God, to feed and nurture the flock of God, of which Jesus gave us oversight. And that's very humbling. But he's the head of the church and I'm just a member. I'm just a member. My status is no more important than your status. I was redeemed like you were redeemed. I have no more important role than what you have. When you understand how important your role is, then wow, this is how the church grew and increased and multiplied. Because everyone was participating. When you came in today, you received a uh, half-sheet pamphlet. I want to read the first paragraph, and I'm reading this not only for your benefit, but for those that are online. And if you'd like a copy of this half-sheet, it gives our mission, our vision, and our purpose statement, which I'm not going to go through in detail today, but I am going to read the first paragraph. Living Word Fellowship is a full gospel church with a rich heritage of equipping God's people to live a spirit-filled life. We are striving to see see people of all ages and backgrounds loving, learning, worshiping, giving, and serving God together. The message of God's word, the music, and the ministries of LWF are designed to empower and enlighten people to experience God's great gift of salvation. At LWF, our highest calling is to bring God glory, who alone is worthy of worship. And if you agree with that, everyone says, Amen. Amen. That's why the church is here, right? Now, what does that look like as far as outreach and evangelism? That's all of our responsibility. You're a minister of reconciliation, so am I. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21 says that we're made new creations. Now go out and propagate and share the gospel because you've been made righteous. Let that righteous 
this be known to others. You are sons and daughters. You're ambassadors. You're the king's kids. Go out and share that good news with others so they can know the joy of God's salvation. It doesn't happen just Tuesday night from 7 to 8. We just don't have evangelism hour. We just say every day, here I am, Lord, send me. So the other morning, Charlene and I were praying. We were praying. And we do every morning. We pray every morning for the church. We pray for our family. That's just something that we're committed to because we understand the power of prayer. And we understand that when we stay in a posture of prayer, our marriage is the benefactor. And yes, at first, that may seem strange or awkward or a little bit of a stretch, but the more you do it, the more you like that you did it. And let me share with you, it has tremendous benefits, spiritually, emotionally, physically, in every way possible. And so pray. So we were praying, and we always thank the Lord for ordering our steps. Lord, we have a plan, and we have responsibilities in front of us, but there could be things that we need to do, people we need to meet, and you just orchestrate our day. And I can say that, Without exception, probably four or five times a week, I have a divine bump, right? You know, sort of a divine appointment just happens. And I recognize it at that moment. This is an answer to the prayer I prayed this morning. And sometimes that divine appointment benefits me, and sometimes I benefit the person that I'm running in contact with. You know, when you say, God, direct my steps, sometimes he directs your steps into somebody that says something that potentially might get on your toes, but it'll help you to get on top. Amen? That's true. It might get on your toes, but all of a sudden you'll be on top of it. I'm paying attention. God, you got on my toes. I'm listening. I hear what you, ha- I hear what you have to say. Other times, you know, you might be sent into someone else's path, not with the intention of getting on their toes, but to helping them get on top. And you could have a conversation and be like, hey, you've been following me around. You're reading my mail. You're in my kitchen. And you're just saying, hey, I'm just just sharing something I feel that would be a benefit or a blessing to you. All right. So that happens to us quite often. Happens to us the other day when we were walking around. uh, Charlene and I were walking around. Because I've lost 25 pounds, I have need of new britches. And so, you know, I... I'm not, I don't think that suspenders are very fashionable. That's just me. Some of you may like them, and I'll let you wear them, and I'll I'll say, hey, you look nice in your suspenders. But that's just not, you know, part of my, part of my wardrobe. Not yet. All right? And so we're out buying things. And lo and behold, you know, we ran into somebody, and it was a divine appointment for us and for them, and it was good, and it was the Lord, and it was a blessing to everyone. Now, where did this happen? This happened 50 miles away from here at a mall in Des Moines. That's the Lord working. That's the Lord working. That's not me manipulating something. That's not me meddling. That's not me getting on social media and trolling and then saying, oh, yeah, by the way, like I'm a prophet or something. Come on, people. Hey, 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 yeah, I heard, I heard. Hey, hey, Ben. You know, it's so forced and so phony. People read through that, right? But when it's genuine and sincere and heartfelt, the Lord is in it. What kind of people should we be? We should be like real, authentic Christians. Amen. Not phony and fake. Authentic. Genuine. People sense that sincerity. So where are we going? Yeah, we're going there. We're going to grow. We're going to 
continue to share our lives gracefully to the Lord. I want to read one more verse and then I'm done. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Not that I'm done. No, I didn't mean it in that. You don't take it that way. We just want to say thank you, Jesus. Just kidding. All right, Acts chapter 2. All right, verse 40. And with many other words, this is um, Peter speaking, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who were glad, gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. It says in verse 43, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I think that's a beautiful picture of community. This is the body of Christ. The blended body of Christ. Everyone participating. And the result and the fruit is quite evident. So they gathered together to hear teaching. To enjoy fellowship the breaking of bread and the Lord's table and to pray. And so it should be with the church today. What's the vision? That we who were once not a people would now be the people of God. That's God's heart for his people. John chapter 17, Father, make them one as you and I are one. Father, make them one as you and I are one. We have to get rid of the division, the schism. We have to get rid of the attitudes that are ungodly and unhealthy to growth and reproduction in the body of Christ if we are going to see God glorified. We can't just have our holy huddles. We have to remember all parts of the body. Every part of the body is valuable and important. And we have to maintain that spirit and that attitude. Amen? Amen. The church is also committed to resourcing you. And so there are some opportunities for small groups that are out in the foyer. So there's several book studies and as well as a prayer group. Just a reminder, we're praying here at the church half an hour before every service. If you want to come earlier than that, that's fine. And we pray in the upstairs classroom. And I think that that's a very beneficial thing for us to do is those that, you know, gather together to pray are beseeching on behalf of the Lord that his will be done, his kingdom come. And that's what we do. And so you can be a part of any of those gatherings. Mary Walker is going to have a prayer group. And then Scott and Amy are going to have a book study about All In. It's a really good study. And uh, then Joe and Sarah are going to be going through the book Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire with a group. So if you want to be a part of that, Joe Cunningham and Sean are going to be getting with some of our young adults going through All In. So if you're a young adult and you want to go through that, All In, that's good. Uh, Char and I... uh, are also going to be going through that. Larry and Gail Bird are going to be going through the book Growing Up Spiritually. And so there's opportunities. You say, well, how's this going to work with my schedule? Let me share with you that the way we're going to do this is we're going to have some structure, but it's going to be a flex schedule. So it's going to work according to the group's dynamics. If you want to be a part of a group Bible study and book discussion, we just want you to sign up. 
once people have signed up from October through December, we're going to try to get together five, maybe six times in that 13-week period. And the leaders are just going to say, when we get together, this is what we're going to discuss. These are the chapters that we're going to be going over. And then you'll set a time and a place and you'll meet and you'll converse and you'll encourage and support one another. You'll pray for one another. You'll be strengthened. You'll be blessed. And then you'll go out and you'll be a blessing. And we know that things have changed in our world and in society. People have asked, could we do life groups again? Can we go back to the 9 o'clock hour and do life groups? So here is the reality when I get asked that question. Here's the answer. The question is, we don't have the workforce to do it right now. Right now that we're working very hard every week to make sure that every facet of our services to all of our people are covered when we gather together from nursery all the way through the adult services. So you can see if you're sitting on the sidelines, we need you to get active. There's a place for you to be involved in serving in the local church. And you can call the church and inquire about that. And listen, when you serve, you grow. Yes, other people are blessed, but I, I can't even tell you. I don't even know where I'd be if I hadn't chosen at 13 years of age to make a commitment to be involved with God and his church. I just, my life has been exponentially changed. I mean, just, I just can't even give God enough glory and thanks for that. So there is a place for everyone. We'll work with you. We'll encourage you. And we'll do our best to place you where you fit in the body. We're not asking you to serve in places where you would suffer. We're asking you, what's in your heart? How can we help that to come to pass? And so we're looking forward to those conversations. We could probably facilitate our adults and our teenagers at life groups at 9 o'clock. But as a pastor, I'm responsible for the care of the whole flock. I mean, the children matter. The babies matter. And so all of these things. And I honestly, I can't ask the same people who are already serving to do one more act of service. That, that's, that's an injustice to them. As a matter of fact, I want to take them all out for a T-bone steak. And all of those people serving said, Tuesday at 7. Tuesday at 7. Let's do this. No, I'm serious. I mean, I, I, I can't thank them enough. I can't thank them enough. And so, you know, whether it's prayer, we covet your prayers, your participation, your involvement. But each and every one of us, what? Are individual members, but together we are the body of Christ. What's God's vision? That his people would be his people and he, he would be our God. That that which was broken would be mended and that which was torn would be made whole. That we'd be one in Christ. And all of us need help and support and healing. That's why Jesus is here. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.